I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female, where every week I speak with women changemakers who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. At The Brand is Female, we're all about celebrating women and their power. That power exists within each of us, and by tapping into it, we make the world a better place. And we're here to inspire more women to do this. These values are shared by L'Oreal Paris and the Women Are Worth program, and they are now accepting nominations for the 2022 edition. Do you know a Canadian woman who passionately volunteers her time and energy to help people in her community? Well, recognize her dedication with a nomination for the 2022 Women of Worth, a philanthropic program which recognizes the achievements of 10 nonprofit leaders from across Canada who are making meaningful change addressing some of society's most pressing issues. Each woman will receive a $10,000 donation to their cause and be celebrated during a gala on International Women's Day. Head to the link in our show notes by December 23rd and see our women role models get the recognition they so deserve. I'm always excited to have the opportunity to shine a spotlight on women creatives and share their stories on our platforms. I also aim to consume as much content created by women as possible, and this includes a silver screen as well as books. Today, I'm especially excited to welcome on the show Pulitzer Prize winner and New York Times bestseller author, Dana Kennedy. This episode of The Brand is Female is brought to you by Sony Pictures Entertainment Canada and their latest film, A Journal for Jordan, based on a memoir by Dana Kennedy, directed by Denzel Washington. A Journal for Jordan is a powerful recollection of love and family, telling the story of First Sergeant Charles Monroe King, played by Michael B. Jordan, who, while deployed in Iraq, keeps a journal of love and advice for his infant son. Back home, then-senior New York Times editor Dana Kennedy, played by Shante Adams, revisits the story of her life-altering relationship with King and his enduring devotion to her and their child. You can catch A Journal for Jordan exclusively in movie theaters this holiday season and support work created by a woman author. Here is my conversation with Dana Kennedy. Dana, it is such a pleasure welcoming you on The Brand is Female today. Thank you so much for making time to speak with me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the interest in the movie and the book and the sto- our story. And while speaking of the, the movie, the book, and you know, you're know you uh, an accomplished uh, media executive with an impressive career, an impressive journey, and now we're adding a New York Times bestseller, and you know, you're know you behind uh, this movie that just came out. So the, it, it's a long list of accomplishments, all well-deserved. But I actually want to ask you, growing up, what did you dream you'd be doing later in life as a career? I wrote in my high school memory book that I would be a writer in New York within 10 years. Uh, (laughs) It took a little longer than that, um, but I, with God's amazing grace, I made it. And I, since the age of 12, have wanted to be a writer. I think, first of all, God gave me a talent for writing, but um, also I believe in the power of communication and information to unite us as people And my favorite question has always been why. So when you combine all those things, journalism and writing just made sense for me. 
Mm-hmm. And were there individuals at that time, and I love that you wrote back, you know, it, it was back in high school, you kind of had a vision already and kind of that desire, but who was an inspiration to you at that time? Who were the role models you were looking up to? Well, I grew up in a military family where there weren't a whole lot of women who had um, careers, um, but my mother used to read everything I wrote, and um, then my my teachers in school encouraged me when they saw, you know, my uh, ability to write. And that, that gave me the confidence to keep, to keep doing it. And then ultimately to pursue a career uh, in journalism first, and then as an author. Mm -hmm. And tell me about kind of those first steps in your journey, um, you know, first in, in, in journalism. And were there any You know, did it unfold the way you were hoping to? Were there obstacles you faced? What what was kind of that process going from the dream of becoming a journalist and actually being one? Oh, my gosh. In any career and in any life, um, there are going to be obstacles, of course. Uh, and I tell people all the time, I speak a lot on resilience and uh, career development and so forth, that there is no straight line up, not for any life, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life. And the key to succeeding is to, is to be able to recover when things don't go well um, and pivot and be flexible uh, and believe in yourself and your skills and, and continue to go on. And so my first job out of college was at a newspaper in, in Florida called the Palm Beach Post. And within a few months of being there, they actually told me they thought I'd chosen the wrong profession and, and, and I ought to think about doing something else. <laughs> Uh, you know, I was, I was just out of college. I think I, I misspelled reindeer in a story um, and really didn't have a lot of support there. But I stayed and learned a lot for the first year Then I was offered a, a job at another paper in Cleveland called The Plain Dealer and stayed there eight and a half years and thrived with support and mentorship. And, um, you know, as I grew and learned the craft and really um, figured out you know, how to be a journalist. When you, when you first get out of college, obviously they're hiring you for potential, not because you're at the top of your game. And so um, I was able to grow, learn the craft and really thrive. And thrive you did. And, you know, if we fast forward to 2001, when you won your Pulitzer Prize, um, and obviously you had been writing, you know, as a journalist, a different type of content. So what made you want to write a, a different kind of story that was not journalism? And was that something that was always in the back of your mind, uh, you know, along those years? Yes, Well, first of all, I have to say that I was part of a team that won the Pulitzer. I didn't write by myself, and that's important for me to say. I don't want to claim credit for having um, uh, done this project alone. But I would say if I always thought that at some point I would make the transition from journalism to other forms of writing. But the book that I did write, actually, um, Eva, is a book I wish to this day, along with the movie, did not exist Mm -hmm. because it is about um, a, a tragic time in my life. I realized I was one of the only journalists um, uh, who had had the experience of losing someone in, in, in combat, in a war, mm -hmm. and I wanted people around the country in different parts of the world to understand what that kind of sacrifice is like for the families that are left behind when a soldier dies. And so I wrote about 
for the New York Times first. At also, my Charles, who was killed in combat in Iraq when we had a six-month-old baby, had written a 200-page journal to our son before he was even born, telling him about the power of prayer and how to choose a wife and why he loved me and why he wanted a son, ending it with uh, a letter that essentially said, this is everything I could think of to teach you to be a man uh, if I don't make it home. And he was killed with with one month left to go in his in his tour of duty. And mm. I wanted people to understand this, the amazing journal that he left for our son and because I was so proud of him. And, um, and so that led me to write this article in the New York Times. And I remember a colleague sending me an email after she read it saying, our readers will demand a book. And <laughs> that's exactly what happened. So I wrote a book called A Journal for Jordan, which is now movie, A Journal for Jordan, and Jordan is our, our son. Mm. And I'm sorry for your loss. Um, Thank you so much. There is a beautiful story behind it. And you, you know, you, you transformed that loss by sharing the story with, with all of us, uh, which is very touching. Um, and I want to, I want to talk about the book, but first I also want to touch on your career at the New York times, uh, you know, a woman in media with a powerful role, uh, the media industry tends to be, uh, male dominated. And I wonder, you know, looking back on, on that time in your life, Uh, what were maybe some of the lessons that come up for you and things that, uh, that, that you would have learned along that path? Well, first of all, we all know and hear about glass ceilings. And I just want to remind all the ladies that glass breaks mm-hmm. and yeah. shatter it. Shatter it. Uh, <laughs> don't let it stop you. I think the most important thing uh, that I realized early on that would contribute to my success is just making sure that year after year, Uh, I got better and better and better at my craft. Um, you have to own the specifics of and the basics, you know, of what you do, of your profession, uh, and be seen as a go-to person, someone who can be depended on, someone who delivers before you can expect to be promoted. Mm. Once you do that, then of course you should expect to be promoted in your career, but there are no shortcuts to success. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Two, people often feel like what I call insecure overachievers, where You are overachieving, but insecurity keeps you from realizing how good you are. And I would say um, to anyone listening, just even if you feel insecure, keep going anyway, because you can be scared and not do something. Mm-hmm. You can be scared and do something. So you might as well do it. Mm-hmm. Words of wisdom right there. Um, <laughs> Thank you. How do you how do you typically deal with adversity? And I mean, you 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 broached some of it in this last answer, but uh, when you face a challenge, whether it's in your career, in your personal life, and and you faced a, an important one uh, with the loss of your husband, um, typically, what what's your approach? And you know, what what's the advice you have with other women who face challenges in their professional and personal lives? Thank you. That's an important question. I think there is no typically in dealing with adversity. I think, you know, you have, again, have to be um, flexible and resilient. And the key to that is, I believe this strongly, some days realizing that success in your life is getting a big promotion or a new job. Other days, like the day my Charles died, success for me was getting off the floor because I had collapsed. Mm. And so, um, and then a, a month from then, success was getting out of bed finding the strength to take a shower and brush my teeth. Mm-hmm. That was actually a successful day. 
you know, that that success that day was as much success for me as the day I got offered a job to join the New York Times. And so mm-hmm. you have to meet yourself where you are and you have to realize that there are going to be moments in any life. It doesn't I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how pretty you are, what a charming where life is out of balance. Either your professional life is going well and your personal life isn't or your personal life is not, you know, is 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 going well, but your professional life is or vice versa. Um and, and what you have to do is always try to get back to that that center of gravity, that middle, mm-hmm. uh, where things are in balance. And, and sometimes doing that means just holding on and, and standing still and holding on until whatever you're going through passes because life is cyclical and it will pass. Uh, and quite often, of course, you have to take active um, um, stances to 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 deal with whatever you're you're going through, mm-hmm. whether that's going to therapy. Or, or, you know, talking to, to a clergy member if you're involved in your church or whatever it takes. But it's not easy. Like I said, some days it's just a matter of getting off the floor and that's a successful day. Yeah. And that's, and I, I love those words. We have to meet ourselves where we are. It's not always going to be at our, at our best version. And sometimes it is, you know, just getting off the floor. Uh, I, I love that you're sharing that. Well, it's interesting. It, you, it, thank you. Because you know, people say, oh, my gosh, you went from this devastating thing that happened in your life to running the Pulitzer Prizes and now being the publisher of Simon & Schuster. But what they don't see is there was no fast forward button from one to the other. Right. There were lots of days and years in between mm-hmm. that weren't pretty. Right. And well, and I mean, you wrote that beautiful book, which has now been made into a movie um, and you're you're running a, a large publishing house, uh, which brings me to, you know, a, a question about the stories the stories that we can watch, the stories that we can read, the stories that are shared in our world. And um, I mean, you obviously wrote that book. There was a story that you wanted to bring to all of us. Um, What kind of stories do you wish there would be more of in our world today? Well, thank you for that question, because uh, it's something I ponder almost daily as the publisher of Simon & Schuster. What I want to do and what I am doing and directing my editors to do is find the stories that we can make into books that educate us about an aspect of our world we may not know enough about, whether it has to do with climate change or, you know, something involving politics or uh, any other matter, a medical development, but also stories that will uplift us, teach us something, and unite us as people. Um, Also, you know, I think they're, you know, one of the things Simon Schuster is great at is books that have to do with with politics and putting uh, political moments in context so that years from now, when we're all gone, those books will stand the test of time and teach people about what we what we live through in, a, in any given moment. Mm. And those are the books that I feel are important. But the theme in my whole career, whether it's been as a reporter, an editor, or running the Pulitzer Prizes ultimately, uh, and now as publisher, is the power of, of communication, the power of storytelling, the power of words. Mm-hmm. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. 
As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners who can provide education, financing, mentorship, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. I'm truly proud that on this platform, week after week, we bring you conversations with Changemakers, a group of inspiring women leaders who are committed to purpose and impact. L'Oreal Paris shares this mission with us, and their Women of Worth initiative has been celebrating Canadian women leaders for six years now. Nominate a woman role model today and see her celebrated with a $10,000 donation to their cause, in addition to being celebrated during a gala on March 8th. This year, L'Oreal Paris has made the nomination form available in five additional languages, including Arabic, Cree, Mandarin, Ojibwe, and Punjabi. You have until December 23rd to get nominations in. Head to the link in our episode notes today, and together, let's celebrate the women changemakers in your community. I love promoting women creative talent, and I know you love consuming content created by women. This holiday season, catch the powerful A Journal for Jordan on the big screen, inspired by Dana Kennedy's best-selling memoir. Thanks to Sony Pictures Entertainment Canada for their support of today's episode. And I mean, it's wonderful that, um, you know, we get to have a, a film that's inspired by a book written by a woman and you're, and, you know, and, and, and the book itself, which is out and uh, captivating audiences, uh, you know, around, around the world and certainly in North America. Um, what, as, as a woman author, are, are there messages, are there things that you hope you can share, you can instill in, in the readers and equally uh, when people are watching the film, what kind of messages do you hope, you know, transcend for the, the, the viewers, basically? I think the message that I hope comes through in the book and in the movie is that women are resilient people. Mm-hmm. And I try to live that by example. Uh, we have to wear so many different hats as mothers, as employees, as bosses, um, that we're used to, I think, being incredibly flexible and lean into that. Uh, use the power to be flexible and nimble to your advantage. And I, I would say that the main advice I, I would have is just, you know, somebody said to me when I was going through my grief, you don't have to feel strong to be strong. Mm-hmm. And remember that, that just because you may go through a day or a month or even a year where you're, you don't feel strong doesn't mean that you're not strong. Mm-hmm. If you're getting up and finding one thing to do that day or that week, that month or that year to help your circumstances, that's strength. Mm-hmm. Strength doesn't always look like strength, but, but it's there. That is, that's such great advice. And thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, that, that, that really resonates. And I think for a lot of women, a lot of women entrepreneurs I speak to on the show tend to have just, uh, just a little, little bit of, you know, imposter syndrome. And it seems to be harder for women to uh, recognize their achievements, celebrate their achievements, own what they've accomplished. Um, so I think this is, this is a good reminder to, again, meet ourselves where we are and celebrate even these, yes. these little things. And I, I love that, that the strength can be there, even if we don't feel it. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
And well, and let's talk about, uh, you know, this movie that's being made um, or that's been made based on your book um, that we uh, obviously invite all of our listeners to go watch over the holidays. And, um, you know, we know that Hollywood over the past few years has been uh, going through changes there. You know, we've witnessed the, the Me Too movement. We've witnessed a lot of women in the industry speaking up about the, the lack of representation for women. And that can be women directors, women writers, stories inspired by women. And there's uh, a group of fierce women that's out to change that. So what, you know, what would you say is important over the next few years so that we see that change continue to happen? We see more stories about and by women make it to the silver screen? What's needed, in your opinion? So I'm not typically in the movie industry. Mm-hmm. You know, my I, this probably will be my only experience making a movie, so I'm not the best person to speak to that as it relates to the movie industry. But I would say, generally speaking, women who are in a position to hire other women should do that mm-hmm. and promote them and um, and sponsor them. And sponsorship is different than mentorship. Mentoring someone means, you know, you look over their shoulder and kind of help them along and so forth and give them advice. Sponsorship is when you use your political clout, your power, your authority to uh, uplift someone, giving them stretch assignments, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that you advocate for them for for promotions. I was once in a meeting where um, it was a large meeting and a man was speaking over a woman, a younger woman who worked for him. And when she was trying to make a point and I stopped and said, no, let her talk. And so, you know, women, women in, in a position to do, she was junior. So she was never going to speak up for herself. Um, but I wasn't. And so I took it upon myself on her behalf to say, you know, stop speaking over her and let her finish her thought. And so whether it's something small like that or, or, or promoting someone you see has great potential early so that you don't lose them on your staff, um, there are things women can do to empower other women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And men should be doing that too, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah. We need our, our male allies alongside us. Um, what are stories I asked about the type, you know, the type of stories that you want to see more of and uh, obviously in your role as, as publisher, what are stories that you find captivating and inspiring? And it can be stories that you read, stories that you watch and I would even dare to ask, you know, what is on your reading list uh, this holiday season? Well, on my reading list are a lot of manuscripts that we're of uh, uh, books we're either thinking of acquiring or or by our authors. Peril, obviously, by Bob Woodward is is a book that I've already read it, but that I love. There's a book we're publishing called Just Pursuit that is fascinating by a woman named Laura Coates. She's a, mm-hmm. uh, a news analyst, on uh, a legal analyst on CNN. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wrote a book about, she was, she was a former, she is a former federal prosecutor about the, the moral dilemmas between being a woman, a mother and an African-American woman uh, and being a federal prosecutor and some of the, some of the dilemmas that she had between fulfilling her obligation in her job and who she was as a person. It's it's absolutely fascinating set of essays. We're, we're publishing it in a few months. That sounds absolutely wonderful. Excited to read that. And um, curious to ask you, what are things in your in your everyday life? And you know, you've spoken about 
uh, kind of, you know, even, even if we don't feel we have the strength, the strength can still be there. You've spoken about that period of grief in your life. Um, what are things that are important to you now? And maybe it's part of your routine. Maybe, maybe it's part of your, you know, approach to self-care or wellness, whatever definition you want to, you want to give it, but things that, you know, you need in your life to be able to stay grounded, to prioritize your mental health, think that helps that help you feel good and, you know, feel productive on a, on a day-to-day basis, knowing that you have so much going on and knowing just, you know, everything that happens with life in general. Um, I'm not great at self-care. I talk about it, but, but I'm often a hypocrite about that. Two words. The only things I need, my son, um, he is like my whole reason for living Mm -hmm. and he needs me. You know, his father isn't here, mm-hmm. but we're also incredibly close. And um, and I also want to show him by example what a positive, optimistic, productive life looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything I do now is for him. Mm. Love to hear it. And that's fantastic. And as a leader, as someone, you know, at the helm uh, of, a, of a team, uh, what does leadership mean to you? And how do you try, you know, how do you embody leadership on a, on a daily basis uh, uh, within the, the workspace? It's an important question because one of, the, I used to teach management training at the New York Times. Yes. And one of the things I said a lot is that uh, during those training sessions is that, the, is that there's a huge difference between being a good manager and being a good leader or being a leader at all. A manager gets the job done and gets the job done well uh, for their department. A leader thinks about the entire organization. Mm. And so sometimes what's good to do as a leader isn't necessarily what's best to do as a manager. So for example, if you're the Metro editor the, the, or the national editor, or the international editor, editor at the New York Times, and you have um, a reporter who's performing at a really high level, that's great in terms of managing for your department. But if you're the national editor, the best thing you could do as a leader is maybe let that person go and become a foreign correspondent mm. and develop them or, or urge them into leadership uh, themselves outside of your department. Mm. And so I think the best leaders promote other people before they promote themselves. Uh, um, that's, that's number one. Also, any, any clout that you build up, authority as a leader, should be spent on your team and not necessarily on yourself. I'm not saying don't advocate for yourself for, you know, for promotions, for, for compensation and all of that. But the best leaders are the ones in which the staff will follow you, uh, not because they're pay, being paid to do so, even though they are, but because they know you have their back and they want, they want you to succeed as well. You mm-hmm. can't buy that. You have to earn it. And you have to earn it by being there for your staff repeatedly and, uh, and allowing them to get to a level of trust with you where they know they can depend on you. And, and in doing that, you get the best performance out of people. Mm. Was there a leader along your journey that kind of, you know, embodied those things for you? Somebody that gave you that support and, you know, now is, uh, I guess the, the role model that you, uh, you find inspiration, you know, from being a leader yourself now in that role today. There wasn't one person. I was fortunate to have several people along my path who were mentors and leaders and who sponsored me uh, at every level of, of, of my career. And I think the thing that people should realize is 
most folks do want to help. They will help you. If you are putting in the work and they see that you're trying and that you're growing, if you reach out and ask someone, hey, could you take a look at it, you know, if you're a reporter, for example, at my story and tell me what you would have done differently, or I made a mistake, you know, how can I avoid this in the future? When you seek people out, they will help you uh, if they see that you're trying. So I had a bunch of folks along the way. Mm-hmm. There isn't just one, one person starting, you know, from my teachers in high school to college professors to, you know, editors I've had along the way. And you have to be open to that and humble enough to be able to sit quietly with people and let them do the talking to mm-hmm. teach you. Uh, and if you do that, I think, I think you'll find that people will help you no matter what level you, you're at. I mean, look, you know, I, I'm blessed to have a big career. Um, you know, I'm running this, this, this imprint, Simon & Schuster, but I still call on people to advise me and to, and, and to, to say, you know, I, I want to do X, you know, how would you approach this? Um, you, you never stop learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all good advice. And, you know, that question I was addressing to uh, the, the, the career woman um, and, the, and, and the head of publishing at Simon & Schuster. But uh, now I have a question for the author. And obviously, I think a lot of people, uh, including during the pandemic, uh, you know, there's been a, a lot of new book projects started and mm-hmm. budding authors trying to put, you know, words on the page. What would be your advice for someone who is thinking of, um, you know, writing work, whether it is nonfiction uh, or, or fiction even? What, what are tips? Sure. People ask me, what's the key to writing? And I say, write. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Sit down and write. It doesn't have to look pretty on the page the first time. Get it out. You know, you got to spend a lot of time thinking about the arc of the story, thinking about whether there's really a market for it and being realistic about that, mm-hmm. talking it through um, with people who can advise you, not not just the folks that you're going to give it to who will say, oh, my God, that's great. When I wrote my book, I hired an outside editor to read it for me and weigh in on it before I actually turned it into my publisher. Hmm. And I said, you know, I'm not paying you to tell me what's great. Tell me what doesn't work. Um, tell me what where I haven't gone deep enough. Tell me if there are places that are confusing. And so seek out people who can help you really think through the story you want to tell and then evaluate what you have on the page. But really the key is just just write. If, if in your head you don't think uh, you can do it, dismiss that voice and do it anyway. Hmm. Yeah, good advice. And my last question, which is also my favorite to ask guests on the show, what is one thing you wish women would do more of and one thing you wish we would do less of? I think, and this is advice I need to take myself, let me start with the one we should do less of is criticize ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the one that we should do more of is taking time to actively Uh, calibrate on a regular basis to get back to your center of joy, to make sure that your personal and your private life is in sync and that that at the center of that is joy. There are very simple things that bring me joy. I love the smell of rain. I like sitting on the beach. I love to hear my son laugh. I'm a terrible dancer. I love to dance. (laughs) Find your joy. Mm. What a wonderful way to end this conversation. Find your joy. And as we're getting ready for the holidays, this is 
uh, I think the, the the perfect prescription. So we'll be we'll be watching a book for Jordan. Thank you for uh, creating such a, a a beautiful story out of out of your own journey and sharing it with all of us. And thank you so much for your time today, Dana. I was thank honored you. speaking with you. Oh, thank you for having me. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for the support of The Brand is Female. You got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope. Yeah.